A reading from James. My brothers and sisters, do you, do you with your acts of favoritism really believe in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ? For if a person with gold rings and in fine clothes comes into your assembly, and if a poor person in dirty clothes also comes in, and if you take notice of the one wearing the fine clothes and say, have a seat here, please, while to the one who is poor you say, stand there or sit at my feet. Have you not made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my beloved brothers and sisters, has not God chosen the poor in the world to be rich in faith and to be heirs of the kingdom that he has promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor. Is it not the rich who oppress you? Is it not they who drag you into court? Is it not they who blaspheme the excellent name that was invoked over you? You do well if you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you show partiality, you commit sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become accountable for all of it. For the one who said, you shall not commit adultery, also said, you shall not murder. Now, if you do not commit adultery, but if you murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. So speak and so act as those who are to be judged by the law of liberty. For the judgment will be without mercy to anyone who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith but do not have works? Can faith save you? If a brother or sister is naked and lacks daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm, and eat your fill, and yet you do not supply their bodily needs, what is the good of that? So faith by itself, if it has no works, is dead. The word of the Lord. Grace and peace to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The golden rule, you know it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. The royal law, as James calls it. He says you would do well if you really fulfill this royal law. Loving your neighbor as yourself. So what about you? Are you doing well? Are you really fulfilling this royal law? To love your neighbor. Love is an action verb. It is not just a mushy-gushy feeling that you have. 
Charity is not merely pity for your neighbor who is in need. It's not just feeling sorry for someone. Love your neighbor does not mean think good thoughts about them. Mercy is more than a work of the mouth. It's more than just platitudes, go in peace and keep warm and eat your fill. Real mercy, James says, has legs and feet and hands. It is seeing to it that the bodily needs of your neighbor are met. James says, if a brother or sister is naked and lacks daily food, and one of y'all says to them, go in peace, keep warm and eat your fill, and yet y'all do not support their bodily needs, what is the good of that? Showing mercy, loving your neighbor, means getting involved, and that can be messy. So I ask you, do you know the names of your neighbors? The people that live across the street or next door to you, down the road a piece? What about your coworkers? What beyond their names do you know about them? Is it just a, a wave as you pass them in their drive? Is it just a, a good morning to them as you get coffee? at the workplace. When you see a face, really see a face, when you learn your neighbor's name and the names of their children and what's going on in your neighbor's lives, ties are formed. Your neighbor becomes more than just a name, more than a statistic on the news. Her condition is more than a talking point. You find yourself invested. Such relationships can be rewarding. They can also be uncomfortable, unsettling. Suddenly your neighbor's concerns become your concerns. It changes the way that you pray, the way that you think. Because now you have opened up your life to welcome into it your neighbor. You might find demands being made of your heart, of your gut, of your conscience. What if you feel ill-equipped to meet their needs in conversation with them when they're pouring out their troubles to you? Or if they're in need of some assistance and you feel yourself stretched? What if the circumstances call for more than you feel you're able to give? The old Adam, that old sinful self inside of each of us, gets very nervous with these questions. It's so much easier, so much cleaner to keep a healthy distance from our neighbors. To just keep it to a head nod as you pass them by in the hall or at that wave as you pass them by on the street. The old Adam says, I've got so much on my plate already. Do I really have space in my life for somebody else and all their concerns too? 
I can't just give and give and give, can I? I'll become exhausted, depleted. We all struggle with these questions and concerns from time to time. How do we wrestle with them? How do we put those concerns to rest and really lean into this royal law of loving our neighbor as ourself? By faith in Jesus. Faith puts to death these questions and anxieties that arise from the old Adam. And as Luther says, faith makes us entirely different people in mind, in heart, and in spirit. Entirely different people by faith. That's because faith reminds us that God, our Father, supplies us with all that we need in life. So if suddenly we find ourselves needing to reach out, needing to make space in our lives for others and their concerns, guess what? God's going to provide everything we need to take care of that too. God abundantly takes care of all of our needs so that we can share with those who are in need. Whereas the old sinner in us is concerned with self-preservation, the new creation that we are in Christ Jesus through faith is free to be concerned about the needs of our neighbor. And our needs can be put on the back burner for a while. As we exercise this freedom that we have by faith in Christ, putting our voices, our hands, our feet to work in service to those who are in need. We trust that it is, in fact, Christ Jesus himself who is at work in us. That is, if you feel like you don't have the energy, the time, uh, the ability, the skill to, to help your neighbor, guess what? You're not doing it on your own. You're not expected to. You're not called to. It's Christ in you who is going to give you the strength and the ability and the patience to work with your neighbor and to really love them. And Jesus, we know that when he is involved in meeting the needs of our neighbor, we don't have anything to be worried about. Jesus, we know, truly loves our neighbor even better than we do. And he would love them in and through you and your life. If we have any question about this, we can just read the Gospels and see how Jesus interacts with the people around him. You know, we've all had that experience where we get home and we kick off our shoes and we sit down maybe for the first time all day and we are ready to just relax and then the doorbell rings, or there's a knock at the door, or the phone rings. And you think, oh, I really don't have it in me. Well, in our gospel text today, we see the same thing happening to Jesus. Jesus tries to get a little R&R away from the demands of ministry in Israel. Our text explicitly says he tried to get away from the crowds and escape notice, but he couldn't do it. The woman, having a need, her daughter, demon-possessed, 
She comes to Jesus. And Jesus gives to her what she needs. The daughter is healed. She goes home and finds her daughter whole and well. This happens everywhere Jesus goes. People are brought to him and he makes space in his life for them. And he gives of himself to make their lives better. Putting his own needs, his own concerns to the side. And of course we see this most clearly in that Jesus goes to the cross for us. He gives his life for us. Thinking not of preserving himself, but of giving you and me and this whole world what we need. Forgiveness, life, and salvation. All of this is accomplished through his work on the cross. For me, for you, and for your neighbor. Our salvation, though, was not merely for our benefit so that we could come here and feel good about ourselves or or have our own concerns uh, taken care of by Jesus. No, rather, we are saved by Jesus, St. Paul reminds us, in order that we might be of some earthly good to our neighbor. He writes in Ephesians, For we are what God has made us, created in Christ Jesus, for good works which God prepared beforehand to be our way of life. Our way of life is to be a way, a life determined by loving our neighbor through good works, through extending ourselves for their sake, through opening up our lives, our homes even, to see that their needs are met. All of this is by faith. And faith, then we see, is not an inactive thing. On the contrary, faith moves us to good works, inspires us to serve our neighbor so that we get up out of the chair and answer the phone, answer the door. We see our neighbor struggling across the street. And even though we finally finished all of our chores, or maybe we haven't even yet, they're still waiting for us to get accomplished We put all those things on hold and we go over and we help our neighbor. We put our things down and we listen to our neighbor who has their needs. Luther says, oh, faith is a living, busy, active, mighty thing so that it is impossible for it not to constantly be doing what is good. Faith is a living, active, busy, mighty thing. That faith is alive in you. And it is put to work through service to your neighbor. God has placed you where you are, on your street, in your place of business, in your place where you are recreating, as you are trying to Live your life wherever that is in all of your relationships. God has placed you there. And he's placed your neighbors where they are. And God has called you to live in relationship with them. To learn what it means to really love them. 
by serving them. So what will that look like for you tomorrow? Might it look like walking over to your neighbor, the one that you don't know their name, and introducing yourself? Might it look like calling on your neighbor whom you haven't talked to in a while, just to catch up and check in? Might it look like extending an invitation to your neighbor to join you for your cookout tomorrow for Labor Day so that you can get to know them better and go to that deeper level of concern and joy and share your life with them? Whatever loving your neighbor looks like in your particular relationships this week, Know that as you do it, you aren't walking alone, but that it is actually by faith in Jesus that you're walking with him and that he's right there beside you. As St. Paul reminds us, it is God at work in you, enabling you both to will and to work for his good pleasure and for the benefit of your neighbor, I would add. In the name of Jesus. Amen.